and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Probstfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. Today, I have my guest, Emily Miller, with me. Emily is a good friend from Yale Graduate School, and we have been friends for such a long time, and I'm thrilled to have her on this podcast. Emily holds degrees from UC Berkeley, Yale University, and is the founder of Emily Miller Aesthetic Medicine. Emily Miller Aesthetic Medicine is a boutique aesthetics clinic in West Vancouver, British Columbia. She runs this practice along with her husband and medical director, Dr. Vishal Gupta. Emily is both a registered nurse, certified aesthetic medicine practitioner, and mother of two adorable children. She will share her fascinating journey into aesthetic medicine and what she has learned along the way. I am so excited to have her as a guest on my podcast. Welcome, Emily. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Val. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, actually, so I'm excited to be here, too. I remember when we were in grad school, we would go dancing, and I thought that I was a good dancer because you were so good, and I wasn't, but, but you were amazing. <laughs> I, um, that, I have such nice memories with that, and then also studying, and we just had so much fun together. And yeah, you were like, you were like my dancing partner, Val. We had so much fun hitting up the New Haven grad school nightclubs. Oh, yeah. It was fun. It was yeah. fun. I don't remember all the names of them, but they were, um, it was fun times. And we, we had all of the nursing school, um, you know, just the issues everyone has in nursing school, like studying, trying to prepare for exams. And it was awesome to have you as a partner as we started our nursing journey together. Um, And Emily, you have such a fascinating story and I want to hear about it. Can you tell our listeners more about um, what made you decide to go down the route that you did and what led you to the um, decisions to become this amazing provider and the founder of this practice? So back when I was in nursing school with Val, I had no vision of, you know, what it has my career has become today. I really had no idea at that point what it would evolve into. I just knew that nursing was a career where I would have flexibility. And let's say I, you know, did one type of nursing for a certain amount of years and felt like I wanted to switch it up and try something else. I knew that I'd have the ability to do that within this profession. And now I've actually been able to, you know, make that come to fruition. So I practiced um, after graduating Yale, I practiced in inpatient psychiatry for several years and also psychiatry in the emergency department. And I did that both in the States and then I immigrated to Canada 10 years ago. I met my husband at Yale as well, and he's from Vancouver, Canada. So I made that leap to come and begin my nursing career in Canada 10 years ago, also still working in psychiatry. And I did that for about 
almost 15 years now. So um, I really enjoyed the work that I did, but to be honest, change needed to happen because both my husband and I are um, shift workers. And once we started our family and had children, like once we had the first kid, it was hard enough for us to, to match our schedules with his hours and my hours and to be able to have any kind of childcare that can support those long hours of hospital workers. And then once we had the second kid, it was like no longer feasible. So I knew that that's when a change needed to happen. And I got creative and I thought, what other practice of nursing could I go into that would that would allow me to, to still work? And so I just happened to be getting my Botox done one day. Uh-huh. And the doctor who was injecting me said, hey, you're a nurse. We're hiring a nurse. You should apply. And that's when this light bulb went off. And I actually had no clue that the field of aesthetic nursing was even a thing. I didn't know that nurses could practice aesthetic medicine. Like I was kind of new to Botox myself at that time. And, but that's what sparked the idea. And that spark grew into a flame really quickly. I went home and I talked to Vish, my husband about it. And I said, Hey, what do you think about this? I actually think I'd be really good at this. And I think I would really enjoy it. And he was super supportive. That night, we looked up um, programs, training programs for aesthetic medicine Mm -hmm. and signed up like immediately. So I did a one-year training um, in aesthetic medicine that was through the Canadian Board of Aesthetic Medicine and traveled all over Canada for that period of one year, um, getting hands-on training, lots of didactic, really learning everything I could to enter this new field. And after that training, I felt really well prepared to to go into practice. Um, I worked for another medical spa for sort of to get my start and didn't take long to find out that it wasn't a fit. And I learned a lot about this industry of medical aesthetics, how it's sort of like shiny and glamorous. And to a nurse, it looks like, oh, this is going to be so fun. And you're just going to like, you know, chat with your clients and absolutely love your work. And it's no stress. But there's this sort of like other, almost darker side to to medical aesthetics, where you're, um, it's a it's a business. A lot of it is corporate. It's all private, you know, and some of those like values that you have practiced in your career in nursing, they get a little bit like tested. So working for someone else was not a fit for me and for my values. And I was started looking for other work and, um, you know, shadowing at other clinics and also seeing this pattern of I I didn't want to work in, in any of these clinics. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, that's what really lit the fire under me to do it myself. And I talked to Vish and I said, Hey, you can be my medical director because in British Columbia, a nurse needs a physician to be on site when injecting. And I said, you could be my medical director. I could be the practitioner and we could start our own business. And this way we can really do it the way that we want to do it. And we don't have to compromise our values and patient care can really come first. So that was uh, about two and a half years ago that we decided to go on this journey and we founded Emily Miller Aesthetic Medicine. It's grown tremendously and we're actually, we've been practicing for two years in a home-based clinic and now you're the first person I'm telling this to, but we're actually now scouting out commercial locations and we're going to expand 
and grow a team. And so it's really grown rapidly and we've been really blessed. And I feel like I'm at a place in my career where I just, I don't want to do anything else. I see myself, Vish is like, he's burnt out from the ER and he's like, I want to retire in seven years. And I was like, okay, well, sure, you can retire, but I want to do this for the rest of my life. Absolutely. That's amazing. And congratulations. That's awesome. And I really feel like you are the perfect person for this. Like, I mean, you really, I've been following you along uh, your journey and it's just amazing to see the two of you work together and I can clearly see your passion for this. So congratulations. That's amazing, Emily. Thanks, Val. Now, um, for moms, what do you feel like? I mean, so I just started Botox recently too. And I actually reached out to Emily. I'm like, is this okay? Is this a thing? I don't know. Tell me what you, tell me your thoughts. So I like, took a picture and sent it over social media to Emily. I'm like, what, what do you think I should do? And, um, but uh, the place that injected me, they, they did a good job. And I'm like, okay, well, I, this was fine. I'm going to keep going back. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's a personal decision. But I know that I have a lot of other moms asking me about Botox. And, you know, some people will be like, oh, you know, like a lot of nurses go into Botox. So what would you um, tell uh, our listeners, if you're considering Botox, but you're a little hesitant or, you know, what, what do you recommend? Yeah. So this podcast is for moms, right? And like I, myself, what made me want to start getting Botox back when I was 33 and 40 now was having my first kid and just being so sleep deprived and tired. And at that age, I just, you know, we're losing collagen and elastin in our skin, losing collagen at about a rate of 1% every year from the age of 25 onward. So you start to see these changes in your skin. That's a natural part of aging, but there are preventative treatments that, um, you know, are really like minimal intervention that can um, address those things. If, if you're looking in the mirror and you feel like, I just look so tired <laughs> or I feel so haggard and um, like that's how I was feeling and I wanted to do something about it. So a friend of mine who um, had been doing Botox, she's a bit older than I am and she'd been doing Botox for about a decade. She was like, now's the time to start it. And you can, you know, you can sort of freeze your face in time. Like you don't have to continue to age um, rapidly. There's nothing wrong with aging, but it's when it's this like accelerated aging process and it's happening um, more rapidly because sun exposure is stronger than it's ever been. And we're just getting, you know, exposure to indoor lights, blue light from our phones. We have all these environmental stressors on our skin. And so if you want to be proactive to sort of do something to slow down that accelerated rate of aging and just look and feel your best, then I think it's a really great thing to consider. And all of my clients that come in, um, a lot of people come to me who it's their first time trying it. Many of them have tried it elsewhere before and they just decided to switch providers. But I get a lot of people who it's like that they're making that decision that they want to it's time to do this for themselves. And honestly, none of them regret it. <laughs> like, it just, it's, it's kind of magical what it can do for refreshing the face, relaxing, you know, these like scowl or frown lines. That's a really common concern that a lot of people have 
for me myself, I had really intense crow's feet because of all the years of sun damage that I'd exposed myself to. I grew up in California. I was like slathering on baby oil and laying out by the pool all day. I even had a tanning salon membership, you know? So now things are so much better. I literally at 40, I look better than I did at 30. And it's because of the treatments that I now do. Yeah, that's amazing. What would you um, say for moms who are considering it? Like, Where should they um, look for reputable places to get procedures done? That's a really good question. I think that you can be ultra choosy about this. Mm -hmm. So I sort of alluded to, you know, I, when I entered this industry, kind of like peeled back the curtain of Oz and saw what was like happening behind the scenes. And you see, you don't see that as a, um, as a client, Mm -hmm. because it's all like, fancy med spas that spent a million dollars on their renovations and they look so nice but a lot of people providing these services are like seriously undertrained, and that's kind of scary to learn about um I actually work as an educator now for the Canadian Board of Aesthetic Medicine I've been doing that for over two years um And so I train the new providers and I really drill home to people like you cannot stop here with your training. Once the program's over, like you have to keep you have to keep um, finding other educational opportunities, find a mentor, invest in private trainings, because the not just the years of experience of your provider, but really the level of their training is going to make such a difference in your outcomes and their knowledge, because say they learned bad habits from the start and they've just been doing those bad habits for the past five years, like then you might not get a great result, right? But somebody, I would say the people who are educators themselves, that's a really good sign. So if somebody is hired by, um, you know, a national teaching institute or by one of these companies that provide the, the product like Allergan or et cetera, Um, then those people tend to have a pretty high skill level because they're the ones who've been selected to train other providers. That'd probably be the best tip that I have, Um, as well as a place that is really doing it by the book where um, the medical director or the physician really is on site or you're being injected by a physician himself. Mm And you just want a place where you feel really comfortable and safe. Ask around, ask your friends. More people are getting this done than what you think. If you have a friend who like looks really good, be like, have you ever tried Botox? And see where they go. You know, like if if their face looks great, then that's a good indication that yours might too. So really like personal recommendations would be a great way to source out a place too. That's great. That's good to know. Thank you so much. Now, um, what else do you recommend? Like, I know that there's so many procedures out there. I know, like, when I look at websites, um, there's not only Botox, but a bunch of other. Um, kind of, like, I, I have to look up everything because I'm not familiar with a lot of the terms, and I'm in medicine. So, what are the other um, areas that you feel like are helpful for um, skin? Um, Yeah, there is so much we can do for skin in 2023. It's kind it's almost overwhelming to people who do, you know, get really curious about this and want to start researching on the internet and see what their options are, because like technology has come so far and there's a lot of um, private investment 
into these technologies um, because this is all a private sector of medicine, right? So it's like heavily funded. So we have the capacity to do so much for our skin with treatments nowadays. Um, some really popular ones uh, for the last few years has been radio frequency microneedling. Uh, this is a game changer for people who either don't want to have a surgical intervention to tighten skin, like they, they are not ready for a facelift, or maybe they don't ever want that option, but they want some tightening of maybe when we start to get like saggy skin in here, the jowls, these are called marionette lines, these are called nasolabial folds. So radiofrequency microneedling is a way to tighten skin and produce collagen and elastin. Uh, that is non-surgical. It's a really easy procedure. There is very minimal downtime. And um, so that's super popular. Other really, um, I think where the future of aesthetic medicine is going are in collagen stimulating procedure or treatments. So Sculptra Aesthetic and Radius are two examples of that. These are products that don't leave anything foreign staying in your body, but the product that is injected stimulates your cells to produce their own collagen elastin again. So you're left with a supernatural result, and it's this bioregeneration that is just making your face healthier and um, having your own collagen again. So those are really, really lovely treatments that I, they are appropriate for anyone, whether you want to replace lost volume, like I personally, I have sculpture in my face. I also have dermal filler in my face and both can be, be used at the same time. Um, you want to use dermal filler only as much as you need. And I don't think that that is the best maintenance treatment going forward, like many years. Um, I would prefer to see getting somebody on Sculptra and, and producing their own collagen. About the age of 48 onward is going to be a better fit for them than just like continuing to fill with dermal filler. But dermal filler is a really popular procedure as well. We see it all the time, especially in people getting their lips filled. Um, there's the lips where you can look at them and you're like, oh yeah, that person has lip filler. And that's not, that's not my taste. That's not the type of lip filler we do. I really like a result that's like imperceptible where, you know, you could notice a change. Maybe your friends could see a subtle change, but nobody who just met you could look at you and tell that there's filler in your face. Yeah. Those are probably the most popular treatments. I would say um, microneedling is a big one as well. And PRP is uh, another regenerative, regenerative treatment that can treat hair loss. Um, so both men and women are treating thinning hair and balding uh, with PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma derived from their own blood. Um, it's super fascinating. There's so much in this field, but I would say that those are my favorite treatments and the most popular that I, would, I see a lot of people getting. Well, that's really interesting to know. Thank you so much. No, um, another thing that I just want to touch base with our audience is that I feel like you know, with Botox and with all these treatments, um, I'm glad you said, Emily, like more people are doing it than we like really realize. Um, but also at the same time, you know, it's what's comfortable, what you're comfortable with. I think all moms, they're, they're all beautiful. We're all like just trying to feel our best. So whatever you feel like is best for you. Um, you know, do that. And, um, you know, it, it brings the point of, I have learned so much when I've been looking into like with my writing and with these talks on all the neuroscience behind, like when we smile more, when we, um, you know, project with confidence, we 
feel better. Like we're tricking our brains into that, which I just think is so fascinating. So, I mean, if, if Botox, if you're, you're, or these that you're on the fence with, you know, just maybe kind of see like if I smile more, if I expand more, is that helpful? Um, but you know, I think that this is so much, I feel like so many moms are interested in this and that's why I want to make sure that we know exactly what, um, it, like what there is out there. And I think Emily is such a great resource to give us that information. And I, um, I really appreciate her expertise with all of it. Um, now, a fun thing that you do. Emily, well, can I tell you one thing? Because I, what you said is backed by research where, um, yes, if you, if you smile more, we have mirror neurons, um, that help us to, to feel happier. Well, we find that, um, using Botox, makes people improves their mood. So that's really? actually proven. Oh, and it's used right. off label in some cases to treat depression. Um, and so yeah, people, people, your mirror neurons fire when you look in the mirror, and this is why it's called a mirror neuron, what you see if your outside appearance looks refreshed, happy, not tired or angry, it tells signals to your brain that you actually feel that way. That's how you interpret that, that feedback of looking in the mirror. And then in turn, you actually, it does begin to improve your mood. Um, also just the confidence boost that comes from, you know, looking in the mirror and feeling like, wow, I look really fresh or, or just not having any negative reaction. And, you know, you could be a super secure person and know that your beauty comes from within you know, you're honest, you're kind, you have great values. Those are the things that truly matter. But the way that we feel about our outward appearance, when we feel like it is congruent or in line with, with how we feel on the inside, um, then that's a really good feedback mechanism as well. We sort of want the outside to, to feel like that matches the inside. And we're not sending signals to the world that we're angry when in fact we're not. Because a lot of people have like this worry wrinkle and it makes them look like they're angry. My husband had it. And I told him, I said, honey, you furrow your brow all the time. I know you're just concentrating. It's how you focus or how you squint in the sun. But like, you it's time for Botox. <laughs> um, and then another great um, added benefit is if you get headaches, it helps um, relieve chronic headaches. Uh, there's a lot of therapeutic uses for the medication as well. And when I say Botox, it's just important to note that this is a neuromodulator medication, bot botulinum toxin. Botox is a brand name, but it's sort of a household name like Kleenex when you're talking about a facial tissue. There are other brands of Botox as well. Um, so that's what I mean when I say Botox. Um, but yeah, it has therapeutic applications. People with chronic migraines get incredible relief. People with um, neck and shoulder tension. And this applies to moms too. If you have chronic pain, you're carrying the baby, you have um, you know, shoulder tension, we're carrying the heavy diaper bag. It's a lot of strain sometimes on our upper body or even just like nursing in the position that that puts us in. If you get this positional neck strain, um, botulinum toxin can really help to relieve those the um, spasm in those muscles and give you long-term relief so so many applications therapeutic uses it's it's a wonder wonder drug that's amazing like you are such yeah. a wealth of information Emily like I had no idea I mean I knew about the headaches um at one point but I didn't know like it seems to be there is so much application for it and that's amazing like the I like I've read about those mirror neurons and all, and just to be able to, I mean, even like today I was, I went to Starbucks earlier. I try to like somehow with three kids, get my writing done and get my work done. So what I do is, you know, the days my husband works from home, 
which isn't all the time, but when he does, I'm like, okay, well, I have until you know 8 a.m. Let me go to a coffee shop or something, get some stuff done. Don't necessarily have to do that, but that I know helps me. So I was listening to a song on the radio, like overhead, and they were actually, it was an older song. I'd have to, I don't know what the title of it was, but they were talking about smiling and projecting yourself to the world in this positive way. And when you're projecting positivity out, then the world brings that positivity back. It's kind of like the, what you're, what you're putting out, even, um, Dr. Uh, Bolt Taylor, she writes a fascinating book on, um, it's called My Stroke of Insight. And she talks about the differences between the left brain and the right brain. And the left brain is so much about me and my individuality, which is so important. But also the right brain is a lot focusing on where we are in the world and how, what, what is our mood projecting out and what is the energy that we're giving out. So it's just all this is so fascinating. And then to tie it into Botox and all this is just, I'm like, I feel like this is just such an interesting conversation. So thank you, Emily. Yeah, you're welcome. It is a neat thing to explore. And I like just to wrap up kind of what we were talking about with, you know, moms who are curious or considering this or maybe just learning about it for the first time. um, There is little risk to just trying it once and seeing how you like it. So um, there are risks associated with any medical procedure. Some of the most common ones with uh, neuromodulator treatment or Botox, the common places to treat are the upper face. This can sometimes change the shape of our brows. Uh, It could make your brow sit lower. That's not what we want. It could make your brow sort of one of them peak or both of them peak in an odd way. That's not what we want, but that can be touched up. And, but if any of those things happen or say you just don't like it and don't want to do it again, it does wear off. So it's not a long-term commitment and you're not going to be any worse off after having had a treatment. It's not like, um, you know, your face will basically just return back to baseline. If anything, it'll be better because you've staved off those wrinkles from getting deeper and becoming like ingrained lines for that period of time that you had the medication in effect. So you can just try it. And if you don't like it, you don't ever have to do it again, but you'll probably love it. <laughs> so is that kind of how, as far as I understand, so I have, I had it done like with the crow's feet area. It's probably where mm-hmm. I now, but um, so I was told that it's helps me because I don't use those muscles as much when I have Botox in. So it's kind of preventing further use from it. Like, is that kind of, exactly. am I explaining that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's softening your lines. Um, A a big worry that people might have is, am I still going to have expression in my face? I'm a very expressive person. I mean, I have Botox in my face and I can lift my eyebrows and um, we can dose you. You know, if you want to have movement, we can dose you so that you have movement. If some people want to be frozen, frozen, and we can accomplish that. Right. But the the purpose is to um, relax the muscles so that in certain places they're not contracting, but in certain places they are. So you can still have, you know, a full bright smile and show expression in your eyes, right? Um, The one that the movement that's hardest to make, and you often can't when you get Botox treatment would be to furrow your brow or to really frown and scowl. So if you want to look angry at your kids, they'll know you're angry because look at me, like you can tell, you know, my eyes are still angry, but I'm not making the wrinkle. So that's the difference. Well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) You know, and also I remember reading, I don't, don't remember the exact, um, uh, study it was, but I think it was through one of the CE um, courses I was taking on Botox, and they were saying that um, 
as we age, like it, this, this part, like our smile line, or like we, we're using more of the frowning. So we're using more of that and not smiling as much. So it's mm. just kind of goes to show how as we're age, we're kind of like, I don't know, either concentrating more or are we just reminding us to smile more because it sounds like it's sure. they're using. Yeah. <laughs> maybe concentrating more. Maybe your yeah. eyesight is going and you're straining a bit more to for your vision. There's a lot of reasons why we make these expressions. So yeah. just know that having the medication in there isn't going to affect your functioning at all. You can still you know, do and express everything that you need to express. It just prevents uh, deep lines and wrinkles from forming. And one other question that I had just thought of, as far as how long do you expect to see results? Like, do you um, do you see immediate results when you get it, or does it take a while? You bit see, you see results very quickly. So, depending on which product is used. So, if you're using a Botox brand name product, that takes a little bit longer to kick in. It's five to seven days. You begin seeing results, and you see your full results with all the products at two weeks. If you're using something like um, Nuceva, it's called Juvo in the states or Zeoman or Disport or other brands, those kick in a bit faster. They've come out more recently since Botox brand. So they improved on the medication slightly. And one way it was improved upon is that it kicks in faster. So in about three to five days, you would see your results forming. And again, hit that peak at two weeks. That's the time to then follow up with your provider and see if any touch-up needs to be made. Like I mentioned, if one eyebrow is asymmetric to the other, very easily we can just place a little a little bit more product um, on that overactive brow and, and smooth it out. So you want to do your follow-up at two weeks. And then the medication at two months is when 50% of it has worn off. It's slowly wearing off from that two-week mark. Uh, so you start getting a little bit of movement back at, after about two months. Usually this stays um, relaxed the longest and crow's feet and forehead are where you see it, um, some movement returning at that point. By three to four months is when it's fully worn off and out of your system. So the three to four month mark is where you would return for your next treatment if, if you want to treat at that point. And some people get a lot longer duration out of it. Some people, everybody's anatomy is different. Some of us has very strong muscles and some of us don't. So some people only come in twice a year. It depends on age as well. It depends on a lot of factors. So there will be some individual variability, but on average, three to four months is how long it lasts. That's good to know. Um, and then one other thing that's kind of a, just a fun thing that I noticed on your social media is that you uh, are comparing celebrities or talking about celebrities and like what you think that they're, they have had done. Um, do you want to share any information about that? I just thought those were kind of humorous. Yeah. So on my, on my Instagram account, so my handle is at Emily Miller underscore aesthetic medicine. If anybody is interested in these things, I like to do a lot of teaching on there and keep it light and fun. And um, I have this series called celebrity do's and don'ts where I will break down a celebrity for that week and um, the work that I think that they've had done. And some of them are examples of work that I would say has been really well done and um, it, it enhanced that person's features or it is very almost imperceptible. Um, and so that's, I just think it's kind of fun to like look and maybe have an insider in the industry have their opinion on like, what treatments might this person be doing to get a result like that? And also like in cases where, you know, we look at that person's face and we're like, oh no, something went wrong. <laughs> you know, what was it and what went wrong so that we could avoid making the same mistake, right? So I, I think it's always fun. I, I feel bad for celebrities that like they get, you know, picked apart and dissected. So I try to be really kind in the way that I approach it. I don't want to bully anybody there, but um, it, 
serves as a great example because it's these spaces that we're all super familiar with and, you know, we've, we've seen them over and over again. And so to kind of get that, that insider's eye of what it took to give them that look, because like almost everybody in Hollywood, they're getting rhinoplasties, they're getting some type of work done. Um, and so knowing what it is, if you're into this stuff, I just think it's really fun. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so can you tell us again, how do we access those, uh, your information and your social media um, so we can follow along this? Uh, I'm on Instagram. My, my account is at Emily Miller underscore aesthetic medicine. And I just started a YouTube page. It's brand new, but I'm putting some content on YouTube as well. And so that's the same handle at Emily Miller underscore aesthetic medicine. Okay. That's wonderful. And I'll, I'll put that in the link as well. So you guys can um, access that on um, this podcast. And thank you so much, Emily. I loved our time together. We need to do it more often. And uh, thank you again for everyone for tuning in today. So be sure to subscribe and uh, let me know your thoughts. Thanks, y'all.